0: Welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with Things That Charlie Did. Chapter 19 Quiet, hushed, but an air full of expectancy about what to do about getting to the root filled the chapel, the easiest place for everyone to meet in a way that wouldn't attract too much attention anyway. It had been almost two months since Charlie had spoken to Maria or Michael or Margarita. They needed to talk now. The time had come to stop the Santiago's and the stranglehold they held over the people. Father Guerrero had been invited as he was now part of their group, as had the squirrely little mortician. The father took it upon himself to get things started. He stood and faced everyone as if he were preaching. The group looked to him as a congregation would too respectfully sitting up straight hands in their laps eager for someone to confirm that things were going to be okay eager to hear that there was a way for that dread that had become a daily ongoing feeling to go away he wasn't preaching though not today he opened the meeting with a question directed at charlie by asking about the progress of their project Everyone really already knew the answer. Charlie explained anyway how things were ahead of schedule. Father Guerrero was smart. Starting off with that information didn't cause any smiles, but it sure helped everyone to think more about the positive things that were happening. Next to speak was Mr. Garcia. His voice was stern and sounded like the combination of a father talking to a child and a college professor lecturing a class on the importance of the material they were currently learning in class. Basically, he told them the situation was very serious. The message sent by killing the two construction workers was this. More people were going to die if the construction continued, and the Santiago's knew the players involved. Both of these were disturbing bits of information that everyone really already knew. Garcia used the information to set up what he had to say next, a speech, obviously rehearsed, if not out loud, at least in his mind. I've spoken to some associates that I trust in Mexico City. They're well aware of the Santiago's illegal activities. These associates I'm speaking of are national police. They'd love to get their hands on the Santiago family. They've offered me some help. Mr Garcia reached under the pew where he was sitting and pulled out a suitcase-sized container that appeared to be made of heavy plastic. "Gather round, please," he said as he set the gray container on the pew next to him. Everyone positioned themselves to see what magic the box was going to produce. Maria stood next to Charlie. "These are the tools that can be used to bring down a monster." said mr garcia as he opened the case thick foam rubber encased several ways the group could get at the root two very tiny wireless microphones two video cameras that were no larger than a man's fist two tiny micro cassette recorders and two bricks of a play-doh looking substance with Small digital clocks close by and neatly snuggled in their foam rubber home. I guess most of this stuff speaks for itself, except for this, he pointed to the Play-Doh. Plastique. Just a third of that could blow a hole in the side of a mountain. Timing devices, asked Charlie, pointing to the digital clocks. Yes. All the makings for some very mean bombs let's hope we don't need this it's here though once everyone got a good look the crowd dispersed and sat back in the previous spots mr. garcia remained standing as he had just started his explanation he jumped into the next portion of his speech this is where michael and margarita come in the group glanced at the two teens as mr. garcia defined their roles in getting at the root with their working for the santiago's they'll have access to the estate conversations basically they'll be close enough to use some of this stuff to gather enough evidence to get the mama and the sons charged with crimes and convicted in court eventually their empire around here will just crumble he paused Everyone did. It sounded so simple. As an attorney who hadn't practiced criminal law, Charlie still knew enough to realize that bringing someone as powerful as the Santiago's down was going to not only require testimony against them but outright confessions caught on tape. Otherwise, the money they had could buy the influence needed to raise doubts about their guilt. No one was going to be able to get these people without something earth-shattering. Fact. The rules are different for rich people. It didn't take a lawyer to figure that out. Mr. Garcia continued on with his speech. Now, Margarita and Michael have both already been contacted to meet with Enrique Santiago. They're meeting with him tomorrow night. And I say, let's go ahead and do this. We may not get a better chance. "'When you say, do this, what do you mean?' asked Charlie. "'Send them in with this stuff and see what evidence we can start gathering now.' Garcia ran his hand over the top of his head and breathed a long string of frustration in the form of a sigh before he continued. "'When we first started thinking about this, I was thinking that we'd work slowly, and, well, that's just not going to be possible now. Delays are dangerous.' Margarita stood and went to the open box of spy goodies. She pulled one of the small wireless microphones from its spot leaving a tiny foam rubber hole that was exactly the shape and size of the object that was now in her hand. You know the second you put this stuff on your body and go into that property your life's going to be in great danger. It was Maria who spoke. She had previously just been sitting, listening, We've been through this, Margarita was angry. She's right. Show us what to do and let's get on with this. Michael's voice was determined, strong sounding. They spent the rest of the evening toying with the gadgets. Standing at various points in and around the chapel, they tinkered with the wireless mics mostly. They learned how to work them, how to record with them, and listen to conversations too. Also, they experimented with placing the tiny devices on various parts of their body and clothing to see what would be the safest way to go about doing what they needed to do. Margarita devised a way to conceal hers in her hair when it was neatly tied into a bun. Michael first tried his sock. The reception was bad, and it was discussed that should he be searched, it would be easily found. Finally, they settled on placing his mic on the inside of his belt, close to the buckle. The reception was good there and it was unlikely to be found. The plan was simple get the damaging dirt on these guys so they could be arrested. Hopefully, it wouldn't take more than one or two trips. Margarita and Mike's desires to help their families by staying in Cuidad Norte and San Miguel had turned into the desire to choose new and to do so without the worry of Santiago's wrath. The remainder of the evening was spelled out into more detail. They discussed where everyone would be and what to do if something went wrong. Part of the plan was to continue on with normal activities the following day so as not to arouse suspicion, which they did. The following evening, Every detail that had been discussed had been rehearsed over and over in everyone's mind and they were ready to go as ready as they could be together in danger no fear Michael drove his father's pickup to the cutoff that led deep into the jungle that same cutoff took them up the mountain to the Santiago estate he was met at the cutoff by an olive green Jeep that looked to be a throwback from the days of World War II. Margarita was by his side, her hair neatly and tightly bunched into a bun. This point forward, the teens didn't know what to expect next. Their instructions had been to simply meet their ride to the estate at the cutoff. No one spoke as the Jeep pushed its way along the surprisingly unkept road. It bounced with each rut and rock, causing the springs and the seats to squeak. After about twenty minutes, the huge estate could briefly be seen through the occasional quick break in the trees. It was all they had ever heard about it and more. Margarita's stomach felt as though a hundred butterflies had been tossed to the wind inside her empty belly and desperately were being blown from side to side by a strong wind. Only when she focused on Juan in the library could she settle down slightly. Devotion to a cause, worthy, worthwhile actions for the good of other people. That sort of thinking lessened the wind in her tummy, and the butterflies, content with their surroundings, settled down and sat motionless. If Michael had butterflies no one could tell, he wouldn't have let on anyway, His football player looks matched his football player personality on this night. Cocky and sure of himself, the humidity of the jungle night caused sweat to gather around the leather of the turquoise necklace that was gripping the back of his neck. But By the time they had made it to the front gate of the Santiago estate, Garcia and Charlie were only supposed to be a mile or so behind. The outside range of the state-of-art wireless mic was two miles. The plan was to get much closer if possible to ensure nothing was missed in the conversations. While Garcia and Charlie recorded conversations and stood at the ready, Maria and the squirrely mortician were going to wait at the cutoff where Michael left his father's truck. There... They had Charles's Jeep at the ready just in case it was needed. Charlie and Garcia had parked Garcia's Suburban about two and a half miles from the front of the gate of the Santiago estate and hiked to the point where they were picking up reception from Michael and Margarita. Father Guerrero stayed behind. It gave Margarita and Michael some confidence to know that the entire group was in contact with each other doing their part in making sure things went right in danger together no fear they were waved through a checkpoint at the house's front gate a guard in camouflage and a machine gun strapped across his front stood with legs slightly spread both hands on his killing device and coldly stared the two down as they passed through the entrance onto the Santiago estate. Immediately things were different. The rough jungle road turned into a smooth paved street. Thick jungle was replaced by a smattering of tall old trees that were lit from the top to bottom in the now dark sky by lights strategically placed at their base and pointing up their trunks to their majestic canopies. Between the widely scattered trees were neatly trimmed, wide lawns and occasional gardens blooming with multicolored flowers that were also illuminated by garden lights. The house itself was enormous. Margarita's butterflies started getting restless again. Michael fought to stay cocky More sweat gathered around the leather that held the turquoise stone around his neck. It was soaked now. The jeep pulled into a circular driveway that came within only a few feet from the grand double doors of the front entry to the main portion of the mansion. This way, said the jeep's driver. He barked the command like a guard giving a prisoner an order. His English was perfectly accent-free. Through these doors, and Mr. Santiago will be with you shortly. Another man that was dressed exactly the same as the driver, who dressed exactly the same as the man at the gate, and could have very well have been his twin, stood at the solid wood double doors. He, too, had that wide stance and gripped his gun with both hands. If Margarita and Michael's mission would have been any different, the caution of the armed, private Santiago army would seem ridiculous. The two were led into the entryway of the Grand Mansion. The aroma of fresh flowers immediately hit their nostrils. The vaulted ceiling, completed with stained glass window and crystal chandelier, was impressive, There wasn't time to be awe-inspired though once inside the dudes in the army duds were replaced by a couple of frankenstein looking goons who didn't speak they'd mastered the art of getting what they want by pointing they wanted to search the two before letting them any further into the house hands against the wall just like in the movies that michael and margarita had seen far too few of they were pat-searched. The goons didn't even think to check Margarita's tightly purple ribbon-tied hair bun or the underside of Michael's belt. They were in with the Mikes in place. Their new friends, Frankenstein and Son of Frankenstein, led them down the wide corridors lined with thick wooden paneling and very peculiar paintings of obviously some other age spaced every so many yards the art old and probably expensive matched the old and probably expensive marble flooring that caused frankenstein number one's dress shoes to click with each step and michael's reeboks to squeak like sam cassell had pulled up to pass instead of going in for the layup it seemed like their little journey took forever but In fact, only a short burst of two or three minutes had elapsed before the Frankensteins had escorted their cargo to its point of destination. The two white French doors, complete with ornate carved glass, were opened by a man who wasn't a goon, wasn't a Santiago from his formal attire, but obviously more along the lines of a butler. The doors opened into a patio area. There was no ceiling or cover of any kind. Over the top of the large square area, the concrete walls of the mansion itself made four walls that stretched two stories high. In the center of the 30 foot by 30 foot area was a small fountain. Boy, with wings, was perpetually spitting into the shallow reflecting pool in which he stood bizarre. The spitting statue was made of green marble. The same bluish green of the turquoise rocks Margarita and Michael were wearing around their necks. The butler didn't do it. Let's get that straight right now. In fact, he seems gentle enough. A slight bow of the head to both of them as he directed them towards a cherry wood table that had to have been brought to that location in the house for the meeting that was about to take place. The wind, rain, and jungle heat would surely destroy such a beautiful piece of furniture. It showed no signs of weathering at all, however. Should they feel special that such care had been taken to think about what would be nice for their meeting? The butler pulled Margarita's chair out for her, like a rich butler should do for a lady. Dinner will be served shortly. I hope you're hungry. Mr. Santiago will be joining you shortly. Please relax and make yourselves comfortable. The butler's English, like the other Santiago employee that had spoken to them, was perfect. No accent could be detected at all. He then disappeared through the double doors, leaving the two alone for the first time since they'd left the truck at the cutoff. "'You okay?' asked Margarita. "'Yeah. You?' she said. "'Sure. I just... well, I'm a little nervous.' While she responded, she seemed to be trying to communicate something with her eyes. They darted back and forth and up and down. She unexpectedly touched her hand to her ear." Michael finally got it. There might be hidden cameras and microphones. She was telling him to be careful about what he did and said. Then the thought struck him that this might explain the strange little secluded patio they were about to have dinner in. The walls may be sufficient to keep any sort of communication device from being used. Enrique Santiago was being polite and careful. The butler quickly reappeared through the doors. This time he carried a large silver tray with shrimp sitting on top of crushed ice and four individual bowls of cocktail sauce. He positioned the tray in the center of the table and placed one cocktail sauce bowl in front of each of the four chairs. Napkins, plates, water goblets and wine glasses, along with three forks of various sizes and two knives had already been set on the table. Just as he finished placing the appetizer squarely and gently in its designated spot, the doors opened again. This time they'd actually made it to the Santiago's. First to enter was a woman. She looked to be older, probably in her sixties. Her hair was dry and gray. It reached down below her shoulders and hinted of someone desperately trying to recapture what was once a beautiful look. It didn't work, though. Surely that hair was once brilliant, black, and luscious. Now it matched the dry wrinkles on her face. The thick rouge and dark red lipstick didn't disguise the marks of time, either. Although thin and well-dressed in her expensive-looking pantsuit, Mama Santiago's years were showing. Following her was obviously Enrique. Tan slacks, a light blue shirt with white collar and cuffs, both were custom-tailored. Heavy gold cufflinks and a heavy gold Rolex rounded out the evening's ensemble. He had striking good looks, muscular tall, deep brown eyes and a strong jawline seemed to cause Margarita to take a double triple and quadruple take Margarita and Michael hello he spoke English of course no accent they both started to stand but quickly were stopped by Enrique no 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 please he pulled the chair out for his mother who would now be sitting across from and facing Margarita I'm Enrique Santiago This lovely lady is my mother, Veronica Santiago. I'm Michael, and this is Margarita. Yes, yes, I know. Enrique was smiling as he tugged on his chair to get it just right underneath the table. Now, first of all, let me congratulate you on being chosen. His speech was rapid, and he continued to smile. In fact, he'd been smiling since he'd walked into the patio. Fake, no doubt about it. You know, you're going to make some good money and get to travel a little, but you already know that, I'm sure. He scooped several shrimp onto his mother's plate and set it in front of her. It's such a privilege to be chosen, but I'm sure you know that too. He stuffed two shrimp into his mouth at once that he had grabbed directly from the tray. The smile was still there. Now, a small piece of shrimp had avoided being chewed and swallowed, and was hiding by sticking to his lower lip. The continued smile, complete with food particles, made him look like an idiot. Good thing the shrimp had been peeled. Mama Santiago ate so fast that she needed both hands to shove the dead little creatures in her mouth fast enough. The sight turned Margarita's stomach. She managed to remain polite and smiled. Enrique wasn't much better off in the manners department. So this is how the rich people are, huh? Michael almost said it out loud. Their well-dressed bodies and fancy surroundings don't hide one simple fact. They're human. Hungry. Impolite. Gross. Humans. This was just the appetizer, too. Enrique did, however, scoop shrimp to the plates of margarita and Michael using a silver shovel looking thing designed for that particular purpose. Mama Santiago had yet to say a word although she was only using one hand to stuff her face now. The boss who it was supposedly such a privilege to commit crimes for still had a chunk of boiled shrimp stuck to his lip. Just think, there was still the main course left to go. Thank you for listening. Join us next time as we continue with Things That Charlie Did. I'm Rodney Mathers. Goodbye for now.